Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast, where we're committed to helping you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Let's get to today's message. We were attending a church where you had to be invited down front to sit. And this was, just so you know, this was our first year of marriage, and next month we will celebrate 18 years of marriage. So you know how long ago this was. Um, but this lovely young lady escorted us to our seats. And she and my husband were exchanging some chit-chat along the way. And it was evident that they knew each other. We sat through service. We were headed home. And I was like, babe, who is the girl that sat us in our seats tonight? And my brand-new husband said, oh, that was blank. I won't bring her name up, but trust me, 18 years later, I know her first and last name, okay? And my brand-new husband tells me, you know, she's really the one I let get away. Oh. Right? Right. <laughs> now, as you can tell, that did not go over well with me. 18 years later. And although I'm not mad about it anymore, I do realize that he was just really good at sticking his foot in his mouth sometimes. But it is a story I like to bring up, and it's a great example of what I want to talk to you about today, because we are so good at holding on to things that we need to let go of. Yeah. <laughs> we are so good at holding on to the stuff that does nothing but weigh us down. It damages our hearts. And when they say she's got junk in the trunk, that's not always a compliment. <laughs> but what you going to do with all that junk, all that junk inside your trunk? That's what matters. So maybe it wasn't the fact that uh, I would embarrass him with stories. Maybe it's the fact that I can't have a conversation without including 90s and two, early 2000s song lyrics in my conversations. Maybe that's why. But I know sometimes it's good to hold on to things. We hold our brand new babies in our arms. We hold our kids' hands when they're crossing the street. If you're swimming underwater, you hold your breath. That's a good thing to hold on to. And the Bible tells us some good things that we're supposed to hold on to as well. In Genesis, it says a man should cling to his wife. Proverbs says we should hold on to instruction. In Hebrews, it says hold on to hope. And in 1 Timothy 1.19, it says, hold on to our faith. But there are plenty of things that we hold on to in our lives that would, we would just be so much better off if we just let go of. Now, everyone loves a good sermon illustration. So I'm going to ask my friend Ryan Benning to come up and help me out here. Give him a round of applause. We know he loves to be the center of attention. So I've, I brought a weight with me. Thanks, Ryan. Just come stand right here beside of me. <laughs> All right. So as you can clearly see, Ryan here works out a lot, okay? And Ryan, I'm just going to ask you to hold this plate straight out here for me. And this guy can bench press 485 pounds. So 35-pound weight here does not seem like that much. And you can drop this weight anytime you need to, okay? <laughs> no, you have to stay here up here. Oh, no. Okay, so this guy could work out eight days a week if he could. 
Uh, recently on vacation, he was up every morning at 5 a.m. to go to the gym. He owns a nutrition and supplement shop, so fitness is literally his life. He, despite him being conditioned to lift heavy things, after a while of holding this weight out, his shoulders are going to start burning. Are they burning yet? <laughs> well, he skips leg day sometimes, so his legs may feel it first. Um, and, but this may not seem that bad for now. Hold on, go ahead and hold it on a little farther out, yeah. <laughs> no cheating. Um, but it's not going to take long for this to start to take a toll on him. And as most of us are not as prepared as he is, yet we have a death grip on things that make our lives so much harder than they have to be. We don't realize the overall impact that it's making because the pain is only the beginning. Are they burning yet? Okay. <laughs> I was like, maybe he is superhuman. He can stay up here the whole service. <laughs> it can cause limitations in our lives because we only have two hands. And if we're too busy keeping them full of all the things that we need to let go of, it doesn't leave us room to tend to the important things. You need to drop it? <laughs> he is too proud to drop it. He will hold it forever if I ask him to. Holding on to things that we should let go of can be the difference of being married versus being happily married. Coasting through life versus thriving in life. Oh, he's done. You can put it down. Thank you so much, Ryan. Now, if you, too, would like to look like Ryan, you can go visit him at one of his Subzilla stores at one of their three convenient locations. <laughs> but we hold on to things that we should let go of, and that can be, okay, uh, coasting through life versus thriving in life, holding on to labels that have been placed on us that we have allowed to determine who you are, what you do, and we should just let that stuff go. So today I'm going to talk about four things that we commonly hold on to that it would be better if we let go. I wanted to name this message uh, something else, but I went with let that stuff go because the other way it sounded a little like I was cussing, and I'm not Tim Toll, so I didn't want to do, <laughs> do that. But things that we should let go of. The first one I want to talk about today is shame. I think it's important to clarify the difference between shame and guilt. See, guilt is something, you do something bad, and you feel bad about it. With guilt, you can still respect yourself as a person. Guilt can be helpful because it can lead to needed changes. And guilt, feeling guilty about something can be a godly thing. But shame, on the other hand, shame is feeling bad about yourself as a person. And it can come from things that you've done or things that have been done to you. Guilt says, I made a mistake. Shame says, I am a mistake. Brene Brown describes shame like this. Shame is that warm feeling that washes over us, making us feel small, flawed, and never good enough. Shame can show up in ways that you may not even realize is related to shame. It can make you incredibly indecisive because you can't trust yourself even with small decisions. It can affect your self-esteem and make you feel unlovable. It can cause you to be scared of liking, being, or doing something 
or doing the wrong thing so that you don't even know what you really like or who you really are because of the shame that you carry. Shame can easily become our identity. But I want you to know this morning that you are not defined by your past, by your behaviors, by your failures, by your struggles. You are not defined by your feelings, by your circumstances, and by the current ungodly culture of today. You are not defined, you are defined by who and what God says you are. And the conversation ends there. If you don't know what the word of God says about you, you better believe that the enemy does. He knows that you've already been forgiven. He knows that you've been given victory. He knows that there is no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. There's no shame. That what we have been given is not a spirit of fear, but of, of power, love, and a sound mind. He knows that you are more than a conqueror. And the enemy does everything he can to make us forget that. You know, I carried shame for a long time about my past. And if you haven't heard my testimony yet, here's a little snippet. I decided in my early years, 20s, <laughs> that after a few harmful relationships that I was not going to allow men to hurt me anymore. So if I behaved like the men who had hurt me behaved, then that would protect me. And so this led, led to me living a very promiscuous lifestyle, a lot of alcohol abuse, because no matter how much I told myself this was my choice, it was still causing harm to me. Ultimately, it led to me getting pregnant from a one-night stand. <laughs> I love my daughter so much. <laughs> But I carried a lot of shame initially about this. And here's why it's important to know what God says about you. Because the world may tell me that because of my past, I shouldn't be standing on this stage sharing my story with you. That's what shame says. The world may tell me that because I'm a woman, I should not be standing on this stage. That I'm not equipped, literally, to be up here. Because of one misuse of scripture. But because I know my Bible, I can see how Jesus saw women. And I know that this can't be true. You see, women were so important in Jesus' ministry that it was a, the woman at the well was the first person that Jesus told he was the Messiah to. The women who followed Jesus were the last ones at the foot of the cross when everyone else had left. And they were the first ones back at the tomb. And I just have to believe that if women weren't supposed to be up here and go and preach the gospel, that he would have waited for one of the disciples to come to the tomb. But instead, he told Mary Magdalene to go and tell the others. You have to know what your Bible says, what God says about you. Forget about game. I'm going to spit the truth. We have to spend time in his words so that we know what he says about us. We have to continue to remind ourselves who we are in him. Jesus did not want shame for us. And the best example I feel like that shows this is the story in John 8 of the woman who was caught in adultery. You know, the, the people brought this woman out, and it says she had been caught 
in adultery, which means she was likely naked, and they drag her out in front of everyone to publicly shame her. And Jesus bends down and starts writing in the dirt. He didn't want to look at her. You know, our, our kids, they had a friend named Trevor, and he was basically lived with us for a little while, and he was like having a fourth kid, which meant that sometimes he was around for some of uncomfortable conversations that we would have with our kids. And in those moments, Trevor would find something to look at, like a door frame, and just start picking at it. And that door frame would become very interesting all of a sudden. And I just, that just reminds me of what Jesus was doing in that moment. He didn't want to look at this woman. He didn't want to shame her. Jesus doesn't bring shame. That's all the culture wanted to put on her. We've got to let go of the shame that we're carrying. The second thing I want to talk about this morning that we hold on to is unforgiveness. So what is forgiveness? It is not saying that a certain action was okay or that the person who verbally or physically abused you, that that that's okay. The person who betrayed you. It does not mean that you're letting someone off the hook. Just because you forgive them doesn't mean that there are not natural consequences. You know, Aaron knows that if he cheats on me, I'm going to cut him. He tells, he tells you this often. That's a natural consequence that will still happen. Forgiveness does not affirm bad behavior. Putting in boundaries for protection because you don't want to get hurt again. That is okay. Forgiveness is not forgetting. If I punch Aaron in the arm and say I'm sorry, he can forgive me, but his arm is still going to hurt. I know I'm talking a lot about violencing you this morning, and I, I don't really do that most of the time. Psychologists define forgiveness as this. It is a conscious choice to release feelings of resentment or vengeance towards someone who has hurt you, regardless of if they deserve it. It's that last part there. We always want people to get what they deserve. Forgiveness is a command is canceling the debt that you owe because of the pain that you caused me. In Ephesians, it tells us to be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ forgave us. It is a choice, and it does take work. It won't be the easiest thing that we do sometimes, but in the long run, it will be better for you because there is danger in unforgiveness. Hebrews warns us about this. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. If you hold on to unforgiveness, it turns into bitterness. And I don't know if you have ever met a bitter Betty, but they are just mad and angry about everything always. And it just hurts you more than it hurts the person that you're angry with. Forgiveness can be a difficult one for so many reasons. Maybe the person who hurt us, are in the church. And we have different expectations for them. We often have more expectations for people who are in the church than we do for ourselves. But we expect the people who say they love Jesus to never do anything to hurt you. And I'm not sure if this will surprise you or not, 
But there are times when Pastor Aaron has to apologize and ask for my forgiveness. And I to him. We are not perfect and we do not have it all together all the time. But having these expectations of others can set us up for disappointment. Colossians 3 tells us, make allowance for each other's fault and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Forgiveness can be difficult because sometimes the person who hurt us is not asking for forgiveness. Maybe we'll never see this person again. Maybe they don't even realize that they hurt us because not all hurts are intentional or sometimes even evident to that person. Or maybe they just simply don't care. Sometimes forgiving is hard because we can't forgive ourselves. When we, do, when we don't forgive ourselves, it's like saying what we do is greater or has more power than what Jesus did on the cross for us. We got to let go of shame. We've got to let go of unforgiveness. The third thing that we hold on to for too long are toxic relationships. If you're married, I'm not talking to you right now, okay? That's a whole different series. That's a whole different message. If you're married, I already told you, cling to your wife. Cling to your spouse, okay? But there are some relationships that we need to let go of. And I understand that this can be difficult. We invest a lot of time into these relationships. You might have fear of loneliness or abandonment. And you'd rather have the toxicity than be alone. Nobody likes change. You can see the potential of what a relationship could look like. And you want to treat it like a Wilson Phillips song. If you just hold on for one more day, things are going to change. I know that there is pain. For the single people in the room, I understand the desire to be in a relationship. We sometimes accept a counterfeit version because we don't want to wait. A counterfeit romantic relationship will bring chaos to your life and not peace. It's the difference between stealing your attention from God or turning you towards him. Counterfeit romantic relationships will focus on their best interest, not a mutual interest. One example in the Bible we can find is the story of Samson. Most of you are probably familiar with it, but he was known for his incredible strength. Now, Samson must not have looked like Ryan Benning because everyone didn't want to know what his secret to his strength was. And Samson met a woman, Delilah. He saw her. He just had to have her. Now, Delilah is someone who would not have aligned with Samson's beliefs because she was a Philistine. And the man knew that she was tricking him because he lied to her the first several times that she asked, what is your secret to your strength? So he should have seen these red flags waving. But she kept going, and he finally gives in and gives her the keys to the kingdom. And he quickly finds out why it's important to be in a relationship with someone who aligns with your beliefs. You know, it didn't turn out so well for Samson. He got his eyes gouged out. He was imprisoned, and the blessing of the Lord left him. Don't settle 
for counterfeit love. What about friendships? But Shanda, aren't we supposed to love everybody? And yeah, I get it. We are supposed to love everyone. But loving them and being kind to someone and being in relationship with them are two different things. The Bible warns us about being in relationships with people who don't align with our values. 1 Corinthians 15.33, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Or the parents' version, show me your friends and I'll... Thank you. I've said it to my kids and I know I've been told that when I was growing up. They say you are the summary of the five people that you're closest to in your life. So you have to ask yourself, are they who I want to be? Are they lifting you up or bringing you down? Do they lead you closer to God or are they pushing you farther away? Have they developed and are living out the purpose that God has given them or are they just wasting their life? Do they have a strong marriage? And that's what you, you want as an example. Their parenting, their personal growth, their career direction. I know I emulate the people that I'm around. For example, if you don't know, I grew up in southeast Kentucky. And when Aaron met me, my accent was thick. Okay? Now, I moved to Ohio and I started talking like all y'all northerners up here. But it doesn't take long for that Kentucky accent to slide right back in when I cross over the border, cross that bridge, and go back home. My husband can tell if I've talked to my mom on the phone because I get it back a little bit. When we go to Honduras on our mission trip, I don't even speak Spanish really, but I try. And for probably a good few weeks when I get home, everything will be in my best Spanglish. <laughs> Heaven help me if I ever go to England because I will come back with a terrible fake British accent. I won't be able to stop it. It will be bad. I, I was going to try to do it. I, I, I'm, I'm not going to. I'm not going to. But the people we spend time with matters. We tend to be like who we are around. And I get it. Jesus spent time with the sinners. I understand. But we have to be careful that we are the ones setting the example and not following theirs. We are living in a time where people value digital relationships over actual human beings that are in front of us. It is devastating when I go to a restaurant and I see a family and everyone, no one's talking to each other, interacting. Everyone's just staring at their phones. Or when a couple goes out on a date and they have nothing to talk about because all they're doing is scrolling and not even looking at each other. Social media is really anti-social media because it makes us ignore the relationships around us. Care more about a like up, thumbs up from like or whatever on a heart from a stranger. And care more about the people who pop up once a year because Facebook reminded them that it's your birthday. And that made you feel good for 0.2 seconds. It's taking the place of actual interaction. And those digital relationships matter. It does matter who you follow on social media because they're called influencers for a reason, y'all. 
My entire outfit last week was because this romper kept showing up on my For You page, and I had to buy. <laughs> In this week's episode of Shanda's Easily Influenced, I want a Ninja Creamy. I've been making cottage cheese protein ice cream, and I've got to have this Ninja Creamy that I know I'm going to use two times and then never again, but I want it because I'm easily influenced. So we need to make sure that who we're in relationship with matters, that they're healthy ones. Some of us have to put up, have had to put up boundaries in our lives for one reason or another, and boundaries are good. But sometimes we've just created this impenetrable shield around us at all times. We've learned that not only no is a complete sentence, but sometimes we've learned to say no maybe a little too well. We've stopped going to church. We've stopped creating healthy relationships around us. Basically, some of y'all want to be the opposite of the Little Mermaid. You want to be where the people aren't. (laughs) But Hebrews 10, 25 (laughs) says this. Let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another. You know, watching church online is great for a time. When you're sick, stay home. God bless you. Watch online. When I'm on vacation, it's a great resource to have. I have literally watched a simple church service from Florida in a hot tub, and I make no apologies about that. It was awesome. And hello, Jennifer and Sammy, because they couldn't be here today, and they said that they were watching online. So it's great when you can't be here. But attending church regularly is a priority in my life. The relationships that I have with people, they're not just on Sunday morning, but this is a guaranteed time to surround myself with people who I know love and care for me deeply, where I can support other people, but feel supported as well. And maybe you're new here and you haven't established a lot of relationships yet, and that's okay, but we do try to make it really easy for people. The two easy ways, serving on a team here and grow groups. Shameless plug, there you go. Coming to church, serving on a team with people, and grow groups are the main ways that I have formed very close friendships with people who are trying to walk out the same lifestyle as me. Healthy relationships should be life-giving. First Thessalonians encourages us to encourage one another and build each other up. We need to ask if the relationships that we have in our life are doing that. When we walk through difficult times, which we're going to do, it's often our friends, our close circle, who bring you back and help you stay close to God. Ecclesiastes says this, If one person falls, the other can reach out and help, but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. And I know, for me personally, I want to be surrounded by people who I can share exactly what's going on with my life, They won't judge me and they won't gossip about me, but they'll just stop what they're doing and pray for me right there. Pray with me. I don't want a life where my main support is people that I don't actually know on social media, where I post something vague and people send me back positive vibes. (laughs) We need to make sure that the relationships we have are ones that speak life over us. The Bible tells us how important words are. They have the power of life and death. And it's a proven fact that plants thrive 
when people speak positive words over them. There's literally people who sit and talk to their plants to make them grow. And if it is true for plants, how much more so is it about what we allow to be said over us? Don't just ignore the red flags that are waving. Let those toxic relationships go. We've got to let go of shame. We've got to let go of unforgiveness. We've got to let go of the toxic relationships. And the last thing that we hold on to longer than we should is sin. And don't start getting uncomfortable. I'm not going to sit and call people out or start listing sins. Because it's likely that you already know the things that you need to let go of. Things that you need to remove from your life. You know, sin is simply missing the mark of what God's best is for you. What he has for you. And it doesn't matter what your sin is. So I'm not going to sit here and start ranking them. Whatever your sin is, Jesus died for you. He died for your sins. He doesn't care what they are. He already knew what you were going to struggle with, what you would be tempted by, and he still loved you enough to die for you. But there are things that we may need to let go of in our life. 1 John 5.21 says, Dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your heart. Sin is really good at pulling us away from Jesus instead of towards him. It pulls us away from community and accountability. So how do you know what sin is? Well, you can read your Bible. There's a lot of things that are listed in there that we should stay away from. And you can also ask the Holy Spirit for help. Because just because some people can doesn't mean you should. Maybe it's not one of the big ones like stealing and killing. There may be other things that would just make your life better if you let go of. You know, there was a few years in our marriage where we didn't go to church. And those were the worst years of our marriage. But thank God we started going back to church And that led to some changes that we needed to make in our lives. And there was a TV show that we had been watching. And it contained a lot of, how should I say, graphic adult content. Okay? That was porn. But Aaron came to me, and he was like, you know what? I can't watch this show anymore. It's triggering something in me. I'm trying to avoid it. I can't watch this show. But I felt that because I didn't have the same struggle as he did, and it didn't affect me in the same way that he did, I was going to keep watching it. And I did for a little while. But it didn't take long for the Holy Spirit to speak to my heart and let me know, hey, you know what? This is not beneficial for you either. And I cut it out. The Holy Spirit will be your guide if you allow him to be. We can't use current culture as our indicator for sin because our culture is telling us that you can have your truth and I can have my truth. That everywhere you look is here's a truth, there's a truth, everywhere's little truth, truth. And there's no standard anymore. However you feel is your truth. But the Bible says that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is unchanging. 
and there is a standard that he has set. You know, the story of the woman who was caught in adultery ends with Jesus saying, go and sin no more. He doesn't care what you've done or where you've been or, or what sin you have that you've been holding on to, but he does have better for you, and he knows that it is a vicious cycle if we stay in it. The sin leads to shame. We just start back at one. It's a cycle. We got to let it go. So how do we get to a place where we can let it go? It's the key four things that we want everyone to know who comes to Simple Church. First one, know God. Know God. How do we know God? We got to get in his word, spend time with him. You know, every summer we would have our kids read like a book a week and try to keep their little minds going. And there was one week in particular that I noticed that one of our kids had not spent very much time reading. So when it came time to have the book read, I started asking questions about the book. And it did not take many questions for me to realize that he had not read this book. But what he had done is it was the Diary of the Wimpy Kids, and there was these little cartoon sections. So he had gone through the entire book, and he had read these little cartoon captions. So he got the gist of the book, but he was missing a big part of the story. And I think that's what we do so often. We show up to church on Sundays. We get the key verses that we throw up on the screen, and then nothing more. And I think we are missing a big part of who God is. And I, I know some people say, well, I don't like to read my Bible. And I understand. I don't like to read. I will confess that. I don't like to read. But we all have these fancy little things in our pockets that we have every day. And it will literally read your Bible to you. That's what I do every morning. My phone reads my Bible to me. And listening counts. <laughs> and maybe you say, well, I don't really understand when I do read. And that's okay. I don't always either. That's why I also listen to a podcast where someone who is smarter than me and trained in this explains it to me. And she breaks it down. Terry Lee Cobble, she is awesome. And I've learned so much from her. Despite being that I've read my Bible for all my life, I still have new things that I learn every time that I read it. Maybe need to find a new translation. No offense to the King James people in the room, but I don't understand anything that I read when I read in King James. It's beautiful, poetic, but I don't get it. However you can, get into the Word. Go to church. It's 90 minutes of your week or less. Be committed to it. Because once you know God, you can find freedom. Once you're in a relationship with Jesus, we get free. Free from the shame that we've been carrying, free from the sin that we have been bound to, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Once you're free, you can discover your purpose. Live and walk in the purpose that he has called you to. And then it's just making a difference. Doing this will only make a difference in your life, but a difference in the other's lives. You know, I would have never imagined that I would ever be up in front of anyone telling my story, sharing the parts of the life that I spent so long trying to keep in the dark. But it's made a difference to some people. And God has set me free, and I'm happy to be up here to share 
my experience with you today. He can he turned my mess into my message, and he can do the same for you. And I know that's easier said than done to let go of the toxic things that we have held on so tight for so long, to let go of shame and unforgiveness, toxic relationships, and sin. But Jesus is so worth it. Easy to say, but difficult to do. It will cost you something. It costs us repentance. That's just a systematic restructuring of our life so that you can turn away from those things and embrace another. And Jesus tells a story about the cost. Matthew 13, 44, he says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went and sold all that he had to buy that field. When he found God, he gave up everything his career, his life, everything to go all in on that field so that he could have that treasure. We got to let go of the things that we're holding on to and that we've already carried for too long. Thank you so much for having me up here this morning. I'm going to invite Aaron to come back up and close out service for us today. I get to go home with her. <laughs> lucky, lucky guy. Hey, let's, let's take a moment and pray. Father, I, I know that this is a challenge, that, um, that these four things we've got to let go of are not easy things. That repentance is not easy. That restructuring our life sounds scary. But God, you promised your blessing if we repent, if we turn. You've got healing for us. You've got wholeness. It's an invitation to peace, an invitation to joy, an invitation to a full and fulfilled life, heaven on earth and heaven for eternity. We can have all this. We've got to choose to just let that stuff go. And so, God, I pray that you would help us. There's some of us in here that we've carried shame all of our lives, and we don't know any other way. Help us to let that shame go, to really believe that what we've done or what's been done to us does not determine our worth. That you loved us so much. You placed so much value on us, God, that you sent your son to die for us. May we truly believe that in our heart of hearts and begin the hard work of shaking off shame. Lord, we pray that you would help us to also forgive those who have, have done us wrong. I know that's not easy, and I know that that's a journey as well. Today, may we take our first steps in that process. And for many of us that are already on that journey, may we just continue down that path. Help us to forgive. Help us, for some of us, we're in a place where, where we know we need to forgive, but we're struggling to. We're not ready to. Help us be ready. Help us to just... Take a step towards being obedient to you. Unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting someone else to die. And Father, we're dying on the inside and we just need some relief, so help us. Help us to, to unweave ourselves from that identity and from that pain. Knowing that vengeance is yours. Trusting that you are just. And that should we forgive, 
You'll handle the rest with that person who harmed us in whatever way that they did it. Lord, help us to identify the toxic relationships in our lives. Lord, those that are taking us further away from you and what you have for us, your best. Help us to identify them and help us to act with wisdom as we withdraw from those relationships that are pouring toxicity into our lives. Help us to learn about and reinforce our boundaries so that we can honor you and receive your best. Lord, and I just pray, like David did, search us. Search our hearts. If there's anything within us that is offensive to you, show us so that we can repent, so that we can seek forgiveness and turn away from those things. God, we pray that you would do this work in us so that we can know you, so that we can find freedom, so that we can embrace our purpose and live a life making a difference here in this world till the day that you come back. Lord, do this work in us. It's a needed work. And we need your hands on our lives to do it. Help us today. As we continue in this attitude of prayer, there's those of you that are here today, you don't have a relationship with Jesus and you'll want one. And if that's you and you're here and you're ready to begin a relationship, maybe even to come back to one, I'm not gonna embarrass you. I'm not gonna call you out. But I do believe you need to respond. I do believe there's something you need to do. And, and that's just to simply, in a moment, I'm gonna ask you, would you just lift your hand up and say, that's me. I'm ready to do this. I, I don't really know how to do it. I've never really done it before. I'm new to all this. Or maybe you're coming back to it. Maybe it's been a while. But either way, if you're ready to begin a relationship with God, through his son, Jesus, that's the way. And so I'm going to pray a prayer in a moment, and I'll give you the words to even pray. And you just need to mean them from your heart. But if you're ready to do that today, would you, would you just be honest with me, and would you just identify yourself? Would you just slip your hand up and say, Aaron, that's me today. I'm saying yes to Jesus. I'm beginning a journey. Yeah, there's hands all over the room. I'm so proud of you. So proud of you. Thank you. Guys, there's five or six people. You can put your hands down. Thank you. Thank you. Five or six people taking that step today. I'm so proud of you. Everybody, let's pray together out loud. Nobody needs to pray alone. Say, Jesus, I need you. Forgive me of my sins and make me brand new. Fill me with your spirit and show me how to live for you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Come on, guys. Can we celebrate? Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. We hope it has given you hope and helped you know God a little bit more. The goal of this podcast is to reach beyond our walls and connect with people far from God. If you'd like to join us in doing that, there are several ways for you to get involved. First, you can pray for us as a church. Prayer is our first response and our greatest resource. Pray for opportunities that we can boldly step into, make a difference in our community and around the world as we proclaim the good news of Jesus. Second, share this episode on your social media accounts and directly with your friends. It's easy to do through whatever platform you're currently using to listen to this message. Just click share and follow the prompts. Finally, you can support the mission through your generosity. The best part about this is that it's also an act of worship where you express the priority of your love for God and others through your finances. Links to give are in the show notes or simply visit www.mysimple.church giving. We are so thankful you joined us today. Hope you'll consider joining the mission of our church in some way. Thank you again, and we'll see you at next week's episode.